This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy, the fisherman, the woodcarver, and the Southern Baptist, who always said the best cure for idle hands is to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you're listening to Shaun of the South Live. That music here behind me is Cumberland County Live. Cumberland County Live. We all got together and started us a band. We'll make some easy money while we're traveling through the land. We traveled all around, Lord, we played in every town. Picking Lester, Bill, and Jimmy, Lord, how we love that sound. We got thousands of dollars tied up in all our gear. And the truck is running ragged, hoping it lasts another year. The boss pays weekly, but they don't understand. That you can't hide money when you're in a bluegrass band. Everybody's on a budget, but they still want rigorous games. And they always have a better way to pay without the cash. We'll feed and expose you, at least that's what they tell. The last time that I got exposed, I spent a night in jail. We got thousands of dollars tied up in all our gear. And the truck is running ragged, hoping it lasts another year. The boss pays weekly, but they don't understand. That you can't hide money when you're in a bluegrass band. Alabama writes, Dear Sean, I thought you should know that Conecuh Sausage is on special at Warehouse Grocery here in Coleman, Alabama. I know how much you like Conecuh Sausage, so if you're in the neighborhood, this would be a good time to stock up. Dear Amber, I don't just like Conecuh Sausage. My doctor has threatened not to attend my funeral if I keep eating it. <laughs> Danny Mascawa, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Sean. My son moved to the south Blakely, Georgia is where he lives now, near his wife's family, and he's picking up a southern accent, and I just have to say it sounds good on him. 
I want my son to know that I'm thinking about him. He listens to your show. If you could read this on your show, I'd be much obliged, as people in your neck of the woods say. Dear Danny, much obliged for the letter. Mary Knowlton, Gadsden, Alabama. Sean, I'm supposed to be packing my family up for spring break. We're taking a trip. But I just remember that I've been meaning to write you, so the reason I'm writing is to tell you I'm a writer too. And the thing I like most about you is that you said you don't worry about grammar or proper English when you tell your stories. And I just want to say amen to that. I was an English major, and I still don't talk right. Dear Mary, God bless you for that. Me no talk so good. Phyllis Pickman, Conway, Arkansas. Just got in from a trip overseas we took, and I have to say it was a lot of fun. We did Spain, France, Belgium. A lot of Europeans learned to speak English, but nobody could seem to understand my Arkansas accent. By the way, the beer in Europe is supposed to be good, but it was way too fancy for us. So when we got home, my husband and I had this craving for a Bud Light. We pulled over at a gas station as soon as we landed. We bought two 40-ounce Bud Lights. We sat in our driveway trading sips. How redneck can two people get? Europe was fun, but I am happy to be home. Regina Walker, St. Mary's, Georgia. Sean, my son, has learned to eat sardines because his father taught him to do it. And now for lunch every day, he wants a sardine sandwich just like his dad. For the rest of the day, he goes around smelling disgusting. He's 15 and he's starting to get interested in girls, but you can't impress a girl when you smell like sardines. Sylvia McDonald, Henderson, Tennessee. My husband snores at night. and He's been keeping me up for a very long time. I wear earplugs, but it does me no good. Finally, I called his doctor who told me about a mouthpiece that helps with snoring. My husband just wouldn't do it. So the doctor told me about an old school trick. He said, tape a tennis ball to your husband's lower back. That way, he won't roll onto his back to snore. But my husband wouldn't do that either. He refused, so when he fell asleep one night, I tried to suffocate him with a pillow. (laughs) I took him as close to death as possible, and when he woke up gasping for air, he could see that crazy look in my eye. And now he uses that special mouthpiece. Sugarberry Jennings, Hueytown, Alabama. My mother decided to go for a jog in her hometown when the doctor told her that her cholesterol was too high. She'd never done anything like this before. She's not an exerciser, but she bought some workout gear at Target, and she went running for 20 minutes. In that time, she had six people pull over to ask if she needed a ride somewhere. Small towns, man. You just can't beat them. Dear Sugar Bear, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Wanda Tillerman, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. My daughter just met a man who I believe is going to be her forever partner. He asked for her hand in marriage the other day, and we are overjoyed. My daughter had a rough childhood. She had childhood cancer, but has been in remission for 10 years. Now I get to see the day that I wondered if I'd ever see when she was in her hospital bed as a five-year-old. The day she gets to know what it means to be married. I would be so happy if you would read this on the show to my daughter. Dear Wanda, consider it done. Byron Manicola, Decatur, Georgia. We just bought my kids a new dog, and it has been a wild ride. Just got home from work yesterday to see that my bed has been used as a restroom by this dog. (laughs) And he's chewed up my favorite pillow. The vet told us it was probably because he liked the smell of my hair 
How gross is that? Winona Fuller, Clarksville, Tennessee. Hey, Sean, just wanted to see if I could get my letter read on your show. If you do, please tell my kids, Lacey and Gade, I said hello. Will do, Winona, Lacey and Gade. Your mama says hello. Norma Fowlerson, Neosho, Missouri. We have decided to celebrate Christmas in April this year since my son is relocating to take a job in New York City. We are so proud of him. This is a huge move for him, so we won't see him for the holidays. We've decided instead to decorate the whole house for spring break, and we're going to do Christmas early just for him. I love you, Norman Jr. I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, too, Norman Jr., and that is Letters from Our Listeners. Let's have another tune for the Cumberland County Live. Well, it's springtime, springtime in the South, and it is the most 
most intoxicating season of of all time. This spring might be better than, than all the other springs that came before it, and I do say that every year. That's because this past year, winter in the south was harsher than I, than I can remember in a long time. Some of the old-timers say this past winter was, was worse than the winter of 1966 when the great blizzard swept through the southern part of Alabama and the northwest tip of Florida, and people saw snow for weeks on end. This winter, we saw snow for three weeks. Three weeks it laid on the ground in central Alabama and even in parts of south Alabama and the tip of Florida. It was a bad, bad time of year. They say it was a record number of beer sales in Alabama (laughs) this year. A record number of beer and liquor was sold to residents of of the Yellowhammer State. Of course, this also could be a indication of the results of the Auburn-Alabama game. (laughs) Of course, there's nothing to do in the wintertime except mourn for the loss of all that is good and true. I've heard a lot of people from up north claim that, that wintertime is what makes the holidays special, that Christmas just would not have the same feeling if there weren't snow on the ground. If you ask me, I can't imagine going through your favorite holiday and looking outside and seeing the book of Revelation falling from the sky right in front of your face, and it is freezing the world, and it is turning it into to a, a reverse hell. <laughs> That's just what people think in the South. If you ask me, Beulah Land itself is perpetual spring, springtime, when the earth is opening itself up when the dogwoods are blooming, when the azalea blossoms are neon pink, and when the sky looks more clear than it does on other days of the year, when it's so blue and crisp you think you can see for 3,000 miles. They say the human eye can only see three miles into the distance toward the horizon, but I disagree. I think it's more like 30,000. Husbands and wives, they have a hard time finding a middle ground and learning how to agree during the wintertime. And so they fuss and they fight. And during the spring, this all kind of comes to a head. It all has to purge itself so that people can remember why they got married in the first place and get along. This is why weddings are often conducted in the spring. (laughs) My wife and I decided that we had had our fill of winter. And when the springtime came one year, we decided that we would... We would take a road trip. We were watching our brown console television in our apartment one night. And I had gotten this television out of a junk pile on the side of the road. I'd been driving home and I saw this television, a big console television, brown wood. And there was a lamp next to it and a lava lamp and various used containers of cat litter. (laughs) My friend Chubbs and I picked this thing up, it weighed roughly 7 million pounds, placed it into the back of my truck, and drove it to our little one-bedroom apartment. Our apartment at the time was smaller than a bread box. My wife and I had a small, small apartment with a window unit AC that only worked on days of the week that had an O in them. And my wife saw Chubbs and me moving this TV up the steps. Chubbs looked like he was about to have a hernia in a very vulnerable region of his body. Rolled it into the, the living room, which was also our den, which was also our kitchen, which was also our bedroom. 
And my wife said, what are you doing? That thing is bigger than anything we've got in this apartment. And of course, she was right. But a man has an innate desire, a primal urge for a big television. My wife said, that thing is old. Where's the channel changer? Well, I reminded my wife that America was suffering an obesity epidemic. And a lot of this could be blamed on lack of a channel changer. So I, I explained this to her, that we would be increasing our cardioactivity by standing and changing the channel, just like we did in the old days. In the old days, I would sit in the den while my grandfather watched television, and he would position me right near the dial of his console television. And whenever he would call my name and tell me to change the channel, I would change it. I was my grandfather's remote control. My wife and I watched this television. She grew to like it. She grew not to mind the, the brown wood or the smell of cat urine, which had been absorbed into the wood. One night we were watching television and there was a documentary on a endless yard sale, they called it. The endless yard sale. The Highway 127 yard sale is a 700-mile junk extravaganza which stretches from Gadsden, Alabama, all the way up to the crotch of Godless, Michigan. <laughs> My wife looked at me and she said, I want to go on that yard sale. I want to go on that yard sale. We had an old Oldsmobile, which I'd inherited from my mother-in-law. It was, it was the color of green, a color of green they stopped manufacturing once the final generation who wanted that color of green <laughs> died off. And this thing was about as big as a Hardy's. You could get lost in the floorboards. It was a big, clunky car, but it was like driving a Sherman tank down the highway. It wasn't exactly the car that I would have chosen for my image. But when you're a newlywed, you just sort of inherit things your family has passed down to you, and you don't say anything about it. You just accept it with a smile. And every time I would drive through traffic, my head would not reach above the steering wheel and people would look at me and they would point and they would laugh. Loaded up that car, my wife and I, with every, everything we would need for this trip. And in the old days before the internet, it feels like the internet came upon us rather quickly, there was a time when, when you went on a trip, you simply got in the car with a Rand McNally map that folded up and then you drove and you drove and you looked for signs along the way when you got lost you stopped at a gas station and you walked inside and you hoped you hoped that you would see a man standing behind the counter with a big wad of something in his lower lip because that meant he knew the place and he knew the area well if he didn't have a wad in his lower lip chances of him knowing the area very well were slim and when you got tired and you needed a place to rest you looked on the sides of the highway for signs, tall signs advertising hotels, or if you were in a small town, you looked for, for motor inns and you looked for that blinking neon light that said vacancy or no vacancy. This world has gotten off of modern. I don't see many vacancy, no vacancy signs left. Today, people book their rooms on the internet. They can book room service seven months in advance. They can they can order the mushroom burger with slices of texturized vegetable protein, bacon, and, and fried zucchini. My wife and I drove, we drove, and we drove. We started our trip, and we headed toward Gadsden, Alabama. Gadsden's a wonderful town. 
The vendors who were selling at this endless yard sale were the kinds of vendors who you will find at flea markets. They sell things that you never knew you wanted. <laughs> things like John Wayne collectible memorabilia plates, <laughs> which are not meant for eating. They're meant for hanging on your wall. Things like Elvis alarm clocks, where the lower half of Elvis's body vibrates <laughs> upon the hour. There are Dale Earnhardt throw blankets for your sofa. There are men selling Chinese stars and, and samurai swords. I've never had much of a need for a Chinese star or a samurai sword. But these things are for sale. They're for sale along the side of the road. And we drove past these vendors and we would stop and we would look. And I, and I had little need for a pair of Richard Petty NASCAR certified nunchucks. There were men who were selling vegetables. They were selling vegetables from their own garden. They were selling big buckets, wood baskets of tomatoes, tomatoes, beefsteak tomatoes, and red heirloom tomatoes with purple stripes growing from the top and reaching all the way to the bottom. And whenever we passed a place like this, I would load up with so many vegetables, it was almost obscene. And my wife would say, what are you going to do with all those tomatoes? And I would take one tomato from the basket, and I would get a salt shaker. I would take a bite from the tomato, just like you would an apple, and I could eat an entire bushel of tomatoes. And let me tell you something. Tomatoes are extremely high in fiber. It's not a good idea to be trapped in the car eating dangerous amounts of fiber. And so we made a lot of stops. We made a lot of stops, and I, I was able to see the insides of all sorts of gas stations. The first night we stopped, we stopped in Mentone, Alabama. Mentone, Alabama. All of the places were, were busy. The hotels and the motor ends were to capacity. The 700-mile drunk extravaganza of the Highway 127 yard sale is a popular thing. And people come from all parts of the nation to, to ride that road, Highway 127. And so the hotels were stacked full of tourists who were buying Dale Earnhardt throw blankets. <laughs> My wife and I were able to find lodging for the night in an old farm, a farmhouse, which had been built in 1911. We brought our luggage in. The old lady said, I hope you don't mind cats. She owned approximately 145 cats. <laughs> Against my better judgment, I, I paid her 100 bucks for that room. I said, 100 bucks is an awful lot to pay for a room like this. She said, supply and demand, honey. Supply and demand. The next morning, I woke with two cats in my armpits. And the air conditioner was non-existent, and so my wife and I had slept with the windows open, and there was a donkey with his head pressed through the window looking right at me, chewing something. We packed our things, and we kept on driving. I, I had not had a very good night's sleep that night on account of the, of the two cats, which had embedded themselves in the, in the tender spots of my body. But I was bound and determined to have a good time, so was my wife. We needed this. We needed this yard sale and this fun trip to forget about the bitterness of winter which had come before. And so we drove, and our next night we pulled over in Melvine. Melvine, and we found ourselves a place to stay, a motor inn. The motor inn had orange wallpaper, and it had orange carpet, 
but I believe at one time, maybe 20 years earlier, the orange wallpaper and the orange carpet had truly been white. The place smelled like a pot of collards. The bathroom was like someone had been cooking oyster stew right in the toilet. I slept on top of bath towels and I covered myself with a sport jacket. I just could not bring myself to crawl underneath the covers. The next morning I was running off low on sleep and we kept on driving in that Oldsmobile and that was when I noticed my Oldsmobile was starting to have some problems. I pulled over at a gas station that had a service station next to it right in Crosstown, Tennessee. The man looked at it. He was one of the men with a monosyllabic name embroidered on his chest like Bob, Al, or Phil, or Sam. He looked underneath the hood, and he knew exactly what it was, and he was able to fix it for a grand total of $1,000, and it only took half the day. Well, I didn't truly have $1,000 just to throw on a car part. And we had a long trip left ahead of us. My wife and I had discussed, turned around. She said, no, we're up this far. We're in Tennessee. We might as well keep going. And so right around Grimsley, Tennessee, we started to fuss just a little bit. We fussed mainly over the topic of the fondue pot my wife had bought back in Crosstown. Fondue pots, they're cosmic debris. Our cosmic trash floating around our universe. There was never any need for a fondue pot in the United States of America, and yet my wife decided that she needed a fondue pot to further enjoy her remaining years on this planet. And so we fussed and we fought, and my wife was sick of my face by Birdstown. She said, You got a smug little face, you know that? And right around that time, I heard something snap underneath my hood. It was a loud popping sound, and I lost all control of the car. I was able to muscle it to the side of the highway. And my wife said a very ugly word, and she said it with my name attached to the end. (laughs) We waited for a tow truck. It took a long time for that tow truck to get there, and when that tow truck got there, it was another man with a wad in his lower lip and a monosyllabic name on his chest. He hooked our Oldsmobile up to his tow truck and he pulled it through the town. He looked underneath the hood and his first words were, It's never good to hear a mechanic with a monosyllabic name on his chest whistle. No, this means either two things. You have a souped up automobile which is worthy of the Indy 500 or this is going to cost you a whole lot. For us, it was option number two. It was another $600 to fix the who's going to call it what you do underneath the hood. And after that $600, we just kept on driving. We pulled over and we stayed the night in Albany, Kentucky at a boarding house. I'd never stayed in a boarding house before. This boarding house had four rooms, and everyone in the rooms They were traveling the same 700-mile drunk extravaganza coming from the Michigan way. And they all had Michigan accents. Now, there's no better and more effective form of birth control known to man than a Michigan accent. (laughs) After a night there, we kept on driving. By the time we got to Union, Kentucky, there was a loud sound which was developing underneath my hood that sounded like there was a flock of geese trapped 
underneath the serpentine belt. And they were honking and flapping and they were knocking against the hood. My wife said a very ugly word. She was angry with me. I could feel it. She was angry with me. And I, was, I was fussing and angry with her. And we were, we were nipping at each other. And every word that came out of our mouth was like a string from a weed whacker. It was just enough to cut you. By the time we made it to Cincinnati, Ohio, our transmission was slipping. And I was having a hard time giving the car any gas. As it happened, our transmission was the least of our problems in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I heard a loud pop on the right side of my car, and I lost control of the wheel almost. I was, I was holding tight until my knuckles were pure white. My side mirror was amputated by a transfer truck passing by me. And I muscled us to the shoulder of the highway, and my wife stepped out to see the tire was completely gone, and we were riding on the hubcap. And she said, did you bring a spare? Right. She said, what kind of fool, and you can insert a few four-letter words right here, doesn't check to make sure he has a spare before he goes on a long-distance trip up to Ohio? Well, that fool would be me, is the answer to that question. We were able to get that tire changed by, by a very kind motorist who had a donut tire in his trunk. And we were riding, riding with a tire that was a little small for our car, and so the passenger side was leaning toward the pavement, and the other side of the car was up a little bit higher than it had once been. My wife was leaned against the window because of gravity. When we hit Hudson, Michigan, we were, we were, we were gimping along. It was one of the worst trips we had ever had in our entire existence. Anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. It was the worst trip we'd ever had. But we had this spare tire, and that spare tire represented hope. It represented hope. And I was hopeful. We weren't stranded on the side of the highway. Someone was kind enough to help us because there are good people in this world. When we crossed over the border of Hudson, Michigan, our transmission went to be with Jesus. And so did my wife's fondue pot. And that is what he did when he go on the world's longest yard sale. Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich, and it has been a real pleasure. That music here behind me is the Cumberland County Lime Bluegrass Group from the Piedmont region, North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Of the award winners of the 2017 Noose River Music Festival Band Competition, Bob Phillips, Sheila Phillips, Rick Walton, Garland Johnson, and Gerald Bozarth. You can find out anything more about what they do at cclbluegrass.com or listen to the music on Spotify or CD Baby or any other online platform you can think of. Get you a pull of some Cumberland County Line bluegrass. It will be well worth it. To find anything more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouth.com. And while you're there, I hope you drop me a line or send me your funniest story or send me just a letter to let me know how you're doing because I love to hear from my friends. Speaking of friends, friends, everybody complains about the weather. Nobody does anything about it. Adios. There ain't nobody gonna miss me when I'm gone. There ain't nobody gonna mourn me too long. Oh, won't you write these words on my headstone? There ain't nobody gonna miss me when I'm gone. 